So we're at that time of year, obviously still modified, but maybe not for too much longer, but it's a time of graduations. It's also moving into the wedding season. And I know I've shared this before, but it bears repeating that at the wedding mass, one of my favorite moments is what I somewhat ungraciously refer to as the handoff. And what I mean by that is the bride is often walked down the aisle by her father. Increasingly today, you'll see the mom and the dad or siblings or all sorts of variations on that. And the groom is usually up here, understandably, a little bit nervous. And so then the bride and dad get right here and the bride is handed off, I don't know, it sounds like a relay race, but is somehow conveyed to the groom. And the way that that happens speaks volumes. I mean, sometimes there's a warm handshake between the father-in-law and the son-in-law. Sometimes it's a big embrace or maybe it's one of those bro hugs. Sometimes it's kind of awkward, you know? I don't know, you take her. (laughs) But it is a powerful moment. And there's something about that moment that says, whatever new is happening here, whatever is being created in this moment, it's starting with a separation. That passing on, that moving, from home to a new life. It doesn't have to be that way. You could orchestrate the sacrament in any number of ways. But there's something powerfully significant about that that's more than just a human institution. I really believe this. There's a spiritual movement in that as well. And I would argue that that really is at the heart of the great feast day we celebrate today, the Feast of the Assumption. You see this in all these kind of rites of passage in a culture. I mentioned graduation. That's a separation, of course. In the Archdiocese of Chicago, we celebrated the new priest ordinations yesterday. That's a separation. In all the different ways that Jesus' time on earth could have ended, it ends with this very significant, almost ceremonial moment where Jesus looks them in the eye and basically says, now I have to go, as you've known me. And they knew him as the man, Jesus of Nazareth, and even after he rose from the dead, he was certainly transformed, but he was still more or less the guy that they had known. They could recognize him, they could share memories with him. He told them things that were not all that different from what he had told them before the resurrection. But there are also these little hints throughout what we call the Easter season, these 40 days. The time is coming when I will go. I will leave you. You will be on your own. Separation always seems to be the precursor to creation. Even if you go all the way back to Genesis, when God is creating the world, it's not like he just snaps his divine fingers and everything magically pops out. There's this chaotic sort of mess, and God separates to create. He separates the light from the darkness, the dry land from the water, the birds from the fish. Even there in Genesis, at the beginning of the world, creation happens by separation. And so just an invitation to think about why. Why does it have to be that way? And nothing has to be that way when it comes to God. So if God chooses for it to be that way, 
Why might that be the best way? Because if you're like me, there's a part of me that says, I don't want to separate. I want to take everything that I like and then just add more stuff that I like on top of it. Why this insistence on separation? Well, if you think about it, when you separate, and you're not separating from something that's just horrible or awful, right? When, when the wedding happens, the bride isn't leaving some terrible situation. She's leaving her family. When the graduates go off, they're not leaving what was just an awful experience. They're ready to graduate, to be sure, but they're not just dropping everything. And so if there's going to be a holy separation, then what that means is I've got to look back to where I've been and what is it that I need to hold on to, not cling to, but what is it that I need to take and allow to be transformed? What is good that I sift out so that it can become even better? But let's not kid ourselves. In any separation, there is also a little bit of fear or at least nervousness because we don't know what we're going into and we do know what we're letting go of. But in that fear or nervousness, it's kind of like a fork in the road. And that can either shut us down, right? Make us so fearful or regretful or sad or mournful. I don't want to let this go. Why are you taking this away from me? Confusion leading to bad decisions. But it doesn't have to be that way. That space, that separation, can also be a sacred time of receiving, of receptivity, right? That's what we hope is happening anytime the sacrament of marriage is celebrated. It's not just a walking away, but it's creating a space for something new to be received. When the graduates or the newly ordained priests go out, that space that's created creates an opportunity for them to be even more receptive. But that takes trust, that takes hope, that takes confidence, and maybe above all, it takes courage. You certainly see that at the beginning of the church. I know we're about to celebrate Pentecost and the theologians will tell us that's the beginning of the church. But I'd like to think the church really gets going at the ascension. Because it's at that moment that those earliest followers of Jesus have to make a decision. Either, well, he's leaving, I can see that, and I'm not so sure that what he promised us is going to be. And Pentecost didn't happen immediately. There was this in-between time when they had to decide, do I trust what he said? Can I stay here in the space of separation? Can I allow myself to be open to receive what I'm not quite sure it will look like. And so, what does that look like for us as we move into this last week of the Easter season? Maybe just as a spiritual exercise to ask ourselves, where is the invitation from God in our lives right now to separate? And I don't simply mean let go of a bad habit or maybe your favorite sin, you're going to work on that this year but maybe it's a separation from something that in and of itself isn't a bad thing, but it's gotten to the point where it's making us a little bit less receptive, a little bit too comfortable, a little bit too much looking at our faith as if it's a scripted journey and we're just waiting for God to turn the page and one more time we spin around the cycle. And we can't kid ourselves. We know when there's that little 
prick of conscience, that little gnawing voice that doesn't quite go away. Hey, it's time to move on. It's time to let yourself be handed over. But there will be a moment of separation. There will be a moment of uncertainty. If you want to embrace radical generosity, there'll be something you're letting go of. If you want to extend forgiveness to another, you've got to unclench that grip on the control which comes with not extending forgiveness. Whatever that looks like for me or you. Just to pray for the grace this week, Lord, allow me to separate so that I might receive. That's how we take the Feast of the Ascension and bring it home to us.